myself, Tim, and you have Lachlan. Howdy. And Ruben. Good evening, gentlemen. Gentlemen. Um, just, uh, just, for, just for anyone that's listening, uh, when, when we run this podcast, we have like a, a cover, cover screen and, and Tim orchestrated some music for it. So now whenever I see that cover screen, I can just hear it. I can hear the, the music in there. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even though I put it in in uh, editing afterwards. In post-production, can... yeah, that's right. Yeah, we can still hear it. <laughs> uh, so let's go through what we're drinking and then we will start having some conversation. So I am drinking this uh, beverage that I'm holding up here, which I've had once before on the show. It is that looks a fancy. 20-year-old brandy. And uh, I thought I'd get something a bit special, seeing as uh, we've finished this book and we're having our chat about it tonight. What, what are you drinking tonight, Lachlan? I've got some uh, Dead Man Fingers rum which I've got uh, with a bit of uh, ginger beer. So um, very, very nice drink. Worked out that the flavor of the uh, of the rum works better with ginger beer than ginger ale. So uh, that's that's where I'm going. Yeah. It's actually, I, I think I mentioned this to Ruge before, I don't tend to drink any spirits neat. I don't tend to enjoy that. But this, uh, this stuff over ice, just on its own, is actually pretty damn nice I have to say mm. dead man's fingers I'll bring some around next time <laughs> okay sounds good yeah um, how about you Rufus oh I am drinking a furphy I got this really good mate he comes around every now and then I have a barbecue he leaves beer in my fridge and then I drink it when I do a podcast <laughs> <the> next time <laughs> I think you've mentioned this guy before <laughs> pretty good guy Look, he's in fact, a tool in fact total, I wrote down that you tool. mentioned this guy before because uh, you said that this guy um, is like Socrates but unlike Socrates he brings his own drinks <laughs> that was in episode 14 that's perfect so speaking of previous episodes and drinks I've just added what we're drinking tonight to the tallies to see if it would change the outcomes so Lachlan Last week, you said that your preferred drink for the uh, year, we'll call it, or the season, was G&T. So, out of approximately 24 nights of podcasting with us having a drink each week, uh, 12 times you had G&T. Ooh, okay. 50% of the time. Yep. Were you expecting it to be higher? or, or It was lower. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so your next best was uh, rum with something you've had mm-hmm. that four times yeah. uh, followed by red wine by three and then you've had one uh, whiskey sort of drink one beer ale sort of drink a coffee and you had a bourbon and coke which was there actually Pepsi <laughs> <laughs> so I you've, you've, done so, some, you've done some homework there Timmy I did I God. checked it all out I wrote it all down. I do have a question <laughs> before you go any further. Did you make a spreadsheet? No. I used a piece of paper and I didn't draw lines. So it doesn't Impressive. count as a spreadsheet. Although you could oh, draw right, lines okay. and it would look like one, yes. <laughs> For the players at home, Tim loves a spreadsheet, just quietly. <laughs> oh, he's, a, he's a spreadsheet fiend. Yeah, yeah, correct. All right, Ruben. Uh, last week, you said it might be... G&T or rum 
Which way do you think it went? I think it went to Gen 2. Rum, 6 out of 24. G&T, 5 Ooh. out of 24. Oh, that was close. <laughs> so the rum was the uh, the winner. But only only 25% of the time, so you had a much larger spread. Mm. So Ruben, you had, uh, you had nine different types of beverages during the 24 weeks. So not bad. <laughs> um <laughs> And for myself, I said I think it might be beer, but it could also be whiskey or rum. Mm. Um, it was beer. There you go. So, um, and by, by beer, I mean beer and ale. I'm not specifying the difference. So for those Fair ale cool. purists out there, I apologise. Um, <laughs> I had eight, eight weeks where I had beer or ale. And seven ale where purist? I had whiskey. Is that a thing, ale purist? I think so. Okay, special mention for the one that sort of stood out the most was Reuben. One week you had a glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. And uh, one week I had a cup of tea. So there you, there you go. So we were all pretty close to the mark where we thought we would be. <laughs> so that was close indeed. So uh, on to the book. So we finished. Um, we have some standard questions that uh, Lachlan suggested. My my idea was we would work through like what was the main lesson from each chapter, and then I realised that that's a terrible idea because that'll take hours. <laughs> uh, I, I have a feeling we would uh, get stuck at point three and wind up talking for half an hour about it. And yeah. realise that we have to do uh, ten episodes to do the final episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we are taking off the uh, socrates a little bit too much here, and we have to do what the old guy did and just laugh and walk away at some point. Well, my Solid favourite Led Zeppelin song is "Ramble On," so there you go. There you go. So uh, I've written down these questions you suggested Lachlan so uh, the first question and I'm hoping post edit to put these on the screen so it looks fancy but the first question we're going to take turns at discussing is what surprised you about reading this book uh, so Lachlan you thought of these questions so you can go first for this one oh, nice. sure. um, yeah look, I think uh, more or less it was the uh, the, the comedy surprised me when I was reading it and just the natural style uh, of the writing. Uh, it just made it heaps more accessible and uh, more novel-like. Uh, it helped you imagine the surroundings. You can put yourself in the picture. You can almost sort of see the guys, you know, standing around having a, you know, glass of wine or listen to Socrates kind of meandering on his way through his arguments and things. So, you know, for something that was written two and a half thousand years ago, um, wasn't dry and i was expecting dry so uh yeah so it was great a lot more sort of humanity to it as well and uh, i think um you know you'd be sort of surprised by how much you could identify i think even with this stuff even though you're talking about what man was in a figuratively figurative sense um you know that long ago there's so much you could identify in common with what they're talking about and i think like 
human condition doesn't seem like it's changed that much i mean okay maybe we're not doing like uh sacrifices at the uh at the altar for the gods these days but um but there was a lot of other stuff that actually still had quite a lot of commonality with modern life which is surprising for me yeah good answer um <laughs> before we move on to other people uh, did you want to comment on that at all Ruben? Uh, no, I don't want to invalidate uh, Lachlan's experience. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you for respecting I, I, me, Rubes. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say that I agree with you so far, Lachlan, about the um, yep. the humour, particularly given it wasn't originally written in our language. The fact that it translates sure. so well is, and, and still quite amusing to read is uh, pretty good. So. Mm. All right, uh, what surprised you about reading this book, Ruben? Um, almost, I guess very, almost similarly to what Lachlan said, just how it's still so relevant to our current day. Um, like I expected there to be a lot more, um, a lot more like, oh, what are they talking about? That's really weird. Wow, that must be because it's 2,500 years ago or whatever. It's like, no, 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 most of what they were saying was pretty relatable. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that probably did come down to just the fact that the human condition may or may not have really changed that much. Yeah. Um, I, to answer this question, I didn't think of the comedy aspect that uh, Lachlan's right about that. It's, it's very entertaining. Mm. Get some, uh, great takedowns there. And, um, I don't know, just, uh. Yeah, it's funny how something that uh, seems like so situational um, just still like you could imagine it like some of that stuff being in like the office or something. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like very Steve good. Carell as Socrates. <laughs> oh, dude! Oh, if I was if, if I if I won the lottery, I'd try to fund that as a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> is he the right guy? I mean, is there someone? He looks he's not but that's kind of the point yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay i see where you're going with it um yeah okay uh i'll well, i'll have a crack at answering it too um i was really surprised around the building the fake kingdom method you know building that city and the going into that scale it didn't like that's something I never ever thought would be in there. Like I never thought about that sort of thinking at all. Um, I thought do, it was really... Sorry, do you mean like? Do you mean like as a method of figuring things out? That was that surprised you? As a method, but also just the fact that it was there. Like, um, hmm. it just felt like an unexpected, unnatural direction to go when you're pursuing this question. Or the answer for this question um to do that but it worked to get these points across so yeah good on it it was also massive too like the amount of time they took to build it the detail and the yeah it was it was a pretty epic undertaking they went to i don't, I don't know if they quite extracted everything they thought they were going to get out of it at the end but the, the process of building it was interesting. I'd like to see a HBO series where someone um, colonizes a planet using 
this method and watch it <laughs> sort of unfold and play out. Speaking, yeah. speaking of uh, potential TV translations, what I'd like to see is like a, a gross dumbing down version of it where it's not Socrates in, in Greek, but it's current day at a bus stop with dudes that don't have jobs. Or not, sorry, <laughs> yeah. one dude that doesn't have a job and then other people that are waiting for the bus to go to their jobs and see the conversation work in that way, but in just like really dumbed down language. I, I, I have no doubt that wouldn't work, <laughs> but I'd still like to see it. I, I could I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, different people into the conversation, so it's like a, each book is almost like someone different coming through. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right, idea. Jimmy. That would be um, that would be a pretty epic uh, sci-fi. Well, imagine yeah. like um, two people take a ship full of embryos to a planet, and it's their responsibility to make those things all get birthed somehow and then there's thousands of children there or maybe it's a dozen people or something like that that gives them that clean slate to make that mythology happen straight up front and that's how they do it and then yeah. they apply the Socratic model to that planet and then what happens and then there's like then they get interactions with other planets that aren't based on that model and you know demonstrate was it successful did it did it uh did it work did they become the best planet in the uh universe sort of thing i wonder <laughs> if that model would be i'm just going to throw it out there but if that model would be relevant if they had no one to fight though because it was all sort of that that uh warrior and the philosopher if you colonize the planet assuming we haven't sort of run into any aliens in the meantime um yeah, they'd have no one to fight. Well, so that, you wonder... that, was my, that was my reason of introducing other planets. Because that was yeah, the sure, sure. as I was speaking. But you could do it with aliens as well. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, um, that would be interesting. Um, okay. Now, with the uh, bus stop one, Ruben, I think you could start and end each chapter with a bus arriving. So at the end of chapter one, the bus arrives. The old guy laughs and hops on the bus to go to work, and the other guys go, you could, you I'm could... not catching the bus yet. I'm too enthralled in this conversation, and they just hang around. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. And at the end of each chapter, a bus rolls in, and then next chapter, bus no, rolls in, and they're still sitting there because <laughs> they're just enthr they're enthralled in the argument. Yeah, and they spend the whole day at the bus stop, not going to work. <laughs> well, I would, um, without having given it too much thought, I'd, I'd have like you could have different occupations allotted to the different characters so Thrasy Marcus would probably be oh I don't know what would he be probably work for the government he'd be some kind of politician or something I don't know involved in uh, mergers, like a... mergers and acquisitions yes yeah that, that's that's <laughs> clever I like that and, uh, and I don't know Glaucon could be like a an ex-military sort of you know like really tough soldier guy or something I don't know I think you're on to something. Or he could be like a parking ticket guy. Glaucon? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> no one likes a parking ticket guy. <laughs> that could work for sure. So you're saying you didn't like Glaucon? <laughs> I feel like the people in the room didn't. Uh, other than Socrates, yeah. <laughs> could be on the top there. 
Uh, it's all good. All right. Um, let's soldier on. Um, actually. All right. So we just resumed after doing a little bit of tech issues because we're getting a bit grainy. When he says uh, tech issues, he means that Lachlan needed to refresh his drink. Well, you know, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, right? That glass is magical. It. It's full again. <laughs> <laughs> Never-ending pack of Tim Tams. <laughs> yeah, those those watching will know that uh, it was grainy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the second question. Uh, this book is regarded as a philosophy classic. Did it live up to the hype? Um, we're going to take turns at who goes first. So, Ruben, I'll let you go first this time. So, did it live up to the hype? Oh, it's an easy yes. I mean, are we even in a position to judge it when this is the only philosophical classic we've ever read? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm going to say yes. I, I was certainly impressed. I'm actually worried. Uh, I'm worried because we, we have to choose another book to read next, and um, we, we're leaning towards sort of ancient philosophy. But I'm just I'm just worried that it's not going to be as easy to read and as entertaining as this. Yeah, yeah. I'm concerned. We've started with the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as far Maybe as the wrong. classic goes, as far as the classic goes, I don't know how you couldn't consider it classic. It just touches on so many things that like touches on government it touches on philosophy or it touches on epistemology it touches on morals it touches on ethics the whole the whole shebang in one book i think it's pretty impressive yeah philosophical or not i've never read anything like it especially given the size of the damn thing yeah i do wonder i do wonder why there's I kind of do wonder why there's not more books written in this fashion. What, like a conversation or something? Like, yeah, just like a conversation. It, it, to me, it seems like the best way to learn. Well, those listening, um, there might be someone who knows this stuff better than we do, which is highly plausible. So maybe <laughs> there is books out there that are written like that. <laughs> um, yeah, let us know if there are. We can always ask uh, that philosophical giant Google. You know, books it. like the republic <laughs> if, um, like oh, like but not like yeah <laughs> yeah i will become very uh well i won't be surprised being google that if it brings up something like the communist manifesto <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've read like that there. and it's not it's not like the republic <laughs> it's like it's super short and preachy which is like the opposite of plato <laughs> yep. yeah uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a crack second at answering this one. Um, did it live up to the hype? Oh, lost your audio there, Tim. You're out. You're right. I was out. Um, when I changed this camera angle, it muted me for some reason. Um, I was gonna say <laughs> it did uh, live up to the hype, but not in the way that I thought it would. So, I thought it would be. Well, I didn't realise it would be like a, a dialogue sort of story conversation um, because I'd read some Seneca and other stuff. Um, but I didn't realise the pursuit of what is justice uh, would go down 
all these different rabbit holes and I didn't realize that um, dogs are philosophers either <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um, it did but in a different way to what I was expecting although I can't quite say exactly what I was expecting yeah, yeah. how about you Lachlan um, like honestly like whilst I'd heard about the book um, I'm not a student of philosophy I didn't really have much preconception around what we were going to be sort of reading or getting into it. In that sense, like, I don't think I even really understood what philosophy was, right? So, uh, so I was really coming at this from uh, uh, noob status. And uh, look, I, I can definitely see why it's a classic. I mean, it, it asks some really interesting questions and poses some like um, super cerebral sort of hypotheticals, but in a logical structure and manner that's easy to digest. So yeah, I, I think like Rubes is sort of saying, like it's just touching on so many different sort of points that are just relevant to human life, human condition. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it gets you thinking about human progress, what we're doing well and what we're still doing wrong two and a half thousand years later that uh, Plato knew and we're still doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, I'd say yeah. Uh, look, I didn't have much hype personally, but I can see why it's a classic. Yeah, yeah cool. Um, I just want to say it's really cool, Lachlan, that you were willing to jump in to do this whole book with that level of understanding about what we were trying to do. <laughs> um, I don't know if you did it. Lachlan was the one that was and most... like, "There's nothing else to do," but. <laughs> He was like the one that was most roped into it and like he was probably the one that put the most like, you know, technical effort. Like he was the <laughs> you were the dude that was like looking stuff up and making notes and all sorts of stuff. I look, um, I guess as much as anything, you know, uh I was uh I was keen to do something with my mates, you know. And so that's and I thought, you know what, it's sometimes it's good to push yourself to do something that's outside your normal comfort zone and so uh so, so here's me looking at philosophy but i mean you know i think at the end of the day i've i've really enjoyed the the process so it's it's been good but yeah i, I was roped in a bit but it was uh it was good good to be roped in <laughs> <laughs> yeah i agree and it was good to have you there because um i i was so busy trying to get my head around how to make this software work and get the website going and get the RSS streams going and everything else going that um, <laughs> I would say 70 to 80% of my research time during reading this book was actually not the book but it was just how to get this thing to actually happen <laughs> yeah, so it's good having you guys having my success and, and Ruben so what was about... like the, the big wordsmith master <laughs> oh, that's totally. a compliment I don't deserve <laughs> <laughs> It's good teamwork, what about boys. You, good teamwork. What about you, Timmy? This is regarded as a philosophical classic. Did it live up to the hype? Um, yeah, yeah. I already, I had a crack at answering that one. I think, um, just saying it yep. did, but not how I expected. But um, yeah, yeah. all right, cool, cool. Yeah, but uh, let's let's move on to the third question, and and I'll answer that one first because I've never got it going first yet. But I'm kind of scared of answering this one first. Is um, what was the number one takeaway learning? And uh, this, I don't like this question because it's um, there's too many. That's a big question. Yeah, 
Um, <laughs> Wait, how many can you like, choose? Do you, you get to choose one? Well, the one my, I'm my, uh, my preference with. was uh, you could pick one, but two if you want to cheat, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe we'll all do our, maybe let's all do our one first, and you can have a second round. In, if it hasn't been called out, you can call your second one. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Well, the the first one is one I'm going to do my best to explain what I mean. Um, but uh, the the takeaway learning is as I read through this massive unpacking of these ideas to try and answer a simple question that took heaps of time for someone to think through and debate with these other people in the book. Um, the, you know, the, the, the path to getting some sort of actual knowledge was very long and required a lot of effort. And that was also my experience <laughs> as the reader and trying to work through it with you guys so um, like the takeaway learning from me was like you get out what you put in into mm. these things and um, I think that might be part of Socrates success is he's willing to really go all in to, to the pursuit of trying to find an answer for something mm. so yeah that's, that's my one thing Hmm. Um, you go, welcome. Right. Um, I'm going to break my own rule and cheat straight up because, because <laughs> oh, just like one thing, and it's not really about broken. I know, right? But because it's not really about the book, but I suppose like my number one thing is that I learned that I like understanding and talking about philosophy. Um, so that's that's actually probably my number one thing. Um. That's a bit throwaway, but it, it's been really good. Um, uh, I guess I've always liked um, the art of conversation, and that's one of the reasons why I sort of enjoyed this podcast format. Um, but also I like thinking and sort of playing devil's advocate and doing all that sort of thing. So it's it's, it's, it's enjoyable from that, that sort of perspective. That's more about the process. Um, the actual thing I learned, I suppose, aside from... But learning that I like philosophy is, um, I guess, um, I, I've kind of harked on, to, grabbed on this story a couple of times, and it's it probably doesn't seem that important to other people, but it does to me. Um, was that concept um, about having a clean slate and a clear conscience at the end of your life? Um, obviously, it came right up at the start of the story with Paul Marcus's father, Cephalus. Um, and it was also listed as one of the rewards of justice, um, greater than any treasure trove, um, at the end of this book, which was, uh, victory palm number three, if you're playing along at home from last week's episode. Um, for me, the reason that kind of hits home, um, this is, um, personal experience, right? But I can remember doing something bad as a kid and, uh, you know, not real bad in the sense of the world, that sort of thing, but bad as, you know, for when you're a kid. And uh, the guilt that I had over that haunted me for a few years. And uh, that changed me as a kid. And I learned that lesson um, that it's just best to do the right thing all the time. And that the, um, I think the guilt that you live with for doing something wrong probably is like that punishment a hundred times worse that they were sort of talking about when we were, uh, um, you know, when the guys were kind of getting judgment 
and uh, you know being sent to heaven or hell basically um, for for whatever misdeeds you've done. Um, so and sorry, that only works if you've got a strong conscience, which I, I certainly <laughs> had and still have, right? Um, and so from, from then I always like try to live my life and do the right thing, and I could sleep easy. So I, I guess that story just kind of uh, resonated um, with me and the way I try to live my life now. You know, I I try to be a, a good person as much as possible, and uh, and I, I want to sleep easy at the end of my life as well and be able to look back at doing good and not bad and all that sort of thing. So, um, so I don't know. It sounds like kind of uh, it's something I already maybe knew or do, but it connected with me anyway, that particular point. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, how about you? I've got a quick question then. Sorry. Can I intervene with a question? If that, yeah. I'm assuming yeah. that was a, a mindset that I'm, I'm just going to intervene with a question anyway, so cop it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that that was kind of a mindset that you um, had prior to reading the book. So did you find... Yeah. Did you find that it was interesting to have that kind of mindset laid out philosophically and logically over the, the, the extent of the book? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was beautiful because it's like validation, I think, for what you kind of have worked out on your own, I suppose, like just as a natural process of life and experience, right? Um, but to kind of like pull it apart from a philosophical kind of point of view and i mean plato's pretty logical in the way he approaches things right um i think yeah. i'm a fairly logical kind of person as well so i don't know maybe that maybe that's why i ended up making that distinction myself but um i think it's uh it feels uh validating i suppose you know so it's maybe it's uh maybe it's all just big human ego and i just feel good about the fact that i, I feel like i'm not <laughs> Maybe it's discovering something that you think is true from a different perception. So it's like rediscovering something as opposed well, you to know what, Tim, it, you know, they talk about philosophy being uh, enlightenment and uh, I don't know, maybe I uh, broke through the barrier there and got in touch with that uh, prior knowledge of my soul from uh, lives previously lived. <laughs> and, uh... you, got up out, you got up out of that cave, brother. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You didn't drink yeah. the waters of forgetfulness. No, I, I cut on through them. That's it. Yeah, nice. All right, uh, Ruben, what was your uh, number one takeaway? Um, I think... Uh, I think my... Look, it's kind of similar to what Lachlan was saying, I suppose, but in a different way. Um, and it goes back to the, the cave thing that we just mentioned, but, um, what my number one takeaway was basically that, um, there is a physical reality and then there is like a reality reality above that. And I found that really resonated me, with me, with Plato, how he's talking about, um, these ideas, which are sort of outside the cave and then there's physical reality which is all you interact with inside the cave. Um, and I, I guess I sort of in, intuited that 
or sort of almost believed that prior to reading the book. And this is why I say it was kind of similar to what Lockman was saying. I almost, I always felt that and kind of thought that. So it was, for me, it was really interesting to see a logical outworking, which is probably why I just asked Lockman that question. To me, it was a really interesting to have to see a logical outworking over the, the entirety of a book um, that kind of pretty much, I guess, yeah, validated that, the idea that you've got physical reality, but there's a higher reality and that higher reality is really what informs that physical reality. Um, I guess what's a really simple way to put that? A really simple way to put that would be like, um, I don't think that things like science can give you a uh, complete description of reality because all it can do is describe that physical reality. So there has to be something that's beyond that or above that. And that cave analogy in the book and then just the way the whole thing worked out um, was, was, was really, um, was really probably my biggest takeaway that people could come to that conclusion, um, pre-Christian and pre-science. So I think that was probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah, nice. I'm glad you guys mentioned the cave. That, that was a good thing for me. Coming back to that second option, Lachlan. Because uh, I could mm. follow the rules at the start. <laughs> Good man. Um, <laughs> I loved. I really loved when they explored the idea of the just man, and that someone who's truly just ends up having the same fate, basically that what Jesus got, of just you know getting crucified um, by by the world. Um, I've thought on that a lot. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, a a really interesting thing and. You know, in my own time, in the coming months, I'm going to see if any Catholic apologists or Protestant apologists have looked into that idea um, from a from a religious perspective to see which how, you know is 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 what happened at um, Calvary just a natural conclusion to someone who 100% tries to follow the truth and be the truth the entirety of their life like is it just a natural outcome or, or is, is it something else I'd like to look into that a bit yeah I, <clears throat> I must admit I, I had down as sort of my oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really cheating here because I've already sort of given two right but my proper <laughs> number two I, I had sort of listed as uh, as, as the cave as, as well right and uh, I suppose similar to Rubes in that <clears throat> whole reality um versus i suppose that enlightened reality um that's sort of beyond that physical realm and um i found it interesting how socrates put that up as like an understanding you can only achieve through philosophy and you know it seems like that's the only way you can achieve this almost like divine knowledge or a reconnection or communication with your soul that's drunk from the forgetful river and what have you and uh, you know, tapping into that sort of hidden truth within yourself or within the world or whatever it may well be, I think it's um, it's a really cool concept, and I guess that's almost like something like what, say, like the original Matrix movie would have tapped into, right? Um, the feeling that there's something more to life than what you can just see in front of you, and I think that's like a really 
sort of core and fundamental part to the human condition. You know, why am I here? What's my purpose? And uh, it's sort of, you know, it's asking those sort of like big questions of yourself, I think. And um, I, I, I think in some ways this is trying to give you a way to, to understand maybe how that how that sort of works. I mean, it's not giving you the answer, but it's just sort of saying this is maybe a Here's way a to, to, yeah, a, a method of thinking about that. I think it's a really cool concept. Mm. Um, uh, that said, uh, also, you know, like Socrates is sort of saying like, uh, you know, in some ways it'd be good to just drop your whole mind into um, uh, philosophy and that wouldn't be like a waste of your time. But I don't think he really believed that because it's more like, you know, you can see that he actually would want you to experience the physical and the real as well. So you don't want to just delve into philosophy at the expense of the moment and the real stuff that's happening around you as well. Cause I think there's something you get from whatever this reality is you're experiencing. Um, that gives you that experience to be able to sort of maybe think higher on from that philosophy uh, sort of point of view. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whilst he's sort of pointing that angle, I, I think he actually lives more of a 50, 50 kind of thing where he's thinking about philosophy, but he's also in the real world. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's just something I was thinking about. I think you have to be that way though. Like if you, if you think that it's right, mm. you know, how, how can I put this? If you're in the cave and everyone you've ever known is in that cave and then you escape yep. the cave, you're going to have to go back to that cave. Like anybody who's got moral conviction, who believes yeah. they've now discovered everyone's been getting deceived and there's this new level of truth to stay silent about it is not appropriate so yeah the fact that it does engage to me i guess makes sense but um you know it takes a hell of a person that like you'd have to be a hell of a person to convince people i think you'd have to have a lot of integrity and be trusted by those people yeah i mean look i think um you know you've got certain people who would do this like you might say like a a tibetan monks you know they've been known to sort of go and you know it could be in like a vow of silence for 20 years and really they're meditating and philosophizing in their minds around the greater universe and themselves or whatever it may well be um there's plenty of like uh, new age thinkers who do similar kinds of things, right? There might be a little <laughs> substance involved as well. I'm not too sure, but um, uh, <laughs> it's um, <laughs> yeah. But look, I, I think there's a lot to to be said for um, yeah for balance, and I think like all things, they're always talking about harmony in this book as well, and um, and I think there is a natural harmony to that, you know, thinking as well as doing, right? So um, yeah. Anyway, lots of cool stuff in this book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, question four. Have you made any changes to your life or thinking as a result of the book? Uh, you can go first with this one, Lachlan. Yeah, look, I don't think I've got any sort of like uh, major changes as a result of it, but it's certainly given me a better appreciation for philosophy. I won't bang on about it too much because we've already been sort of talking about it, but I've just really um, enjoyed the thought-provoking nature of the conversation we've had. 
um, through the book as well as just, you know, just the nature of you boys though as well. Um, um, asking and calling out different different angles, I think, than maybe what I've picked up on when we've read. I know we've all sort of done that as we've gone along. Um, I don't know if it's the the book itself, but I, I suppose it's been a, a bit of a, a guide on a, you know, getting that taste for philosophy. And I suppose if you're going to sort of try it out, you know, you're starting with the Rolls Royce, right? So, uh, you know, it's been a smooth <laughs> ride. <laughs> but I think I'll certainly, uh, maybe the one change is that I'll certainly go on to um, to read and study for the more philosophy because I've enjoyed learning about it. So that's me. Nice. Um, how about you, Rubes? Oh, uh, yes. I have a change, but it's more of an intended change or something I've tried to implement but failing miserably at. Um, I'm a big, like a really big fan from reading this book, that Socratic, that Socratic method of um, just kind of questioning. Um, so I tend to be, as a person, a little bit preachy, like I've got pretty strong opinions on things. Um, and reading this book kind of gave me an, like, uh, gave me another path to take in terms of, well, I mean, it does like, you, you're not going to persuade anyone if you just tell them this is what it is. And it is be the way it is because I say so. Whereas Socrates takes this other method of like, okay, well, let's question it. What's your idea? Tell me about your idea. All right. Here's my idea. Let's exchange ideas. Let's see where that goes. You know, like let's follow that to the logical conclusion. So that's something that I've kind of tried to implement when talking to people about um, substantive issues. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to employ the Socratic method when you're deciding what to have for lunch. But um, <laughs> well, that just um, means someone else but... pays for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, if only. Um, so I. Uh, so that, that's the biggest change that I've tried to implement off the back of this book to varying degrees. We, you had a bit of an experiment too with the, uh, what was it, the, uh, the particular versus the, uh, the general as well? Like that was sort of an angle. Early on, like, yes. Yeah, you're exploring. That's I think, true, I think you've true. done some good uh, experimentation as we've gone, Rubes. It's been good. That's true. I've, I've actually tried to implement it in real life conversations and, um, I don't, I don't want to go into COVID, but COVID has actually created like really good real life conversations because it's sort of new and it's changing the way society functions. So it has opened the door to have those kind of conversations. So I've kind of tried to um, uh, employ that Socratic method. So that's the big change for me. Um, having said that, I, I fail at it miserably um, and mm. usually end up just uh, trying to yell my opinions from the pulpit. But uh <laughs> at the very least, um, at the very least, this book has kind of given me uh, a different method to sort of think about. I try not to do that, so it's, it's good. Yeah, nice. Um, for me, I found about seven or eight weeks in, it really started to change how I behave. Um, I've become what's the right way of saying this I've, it could be perceived as more patient 
but I think I'm just trying to not be as arrogant <laughs> um, and and listen to other ideas and try and understand you know reasons behind things happening and, um, I think it's helped me parent better um, it's helped me be a better husband in regards to when my wife comes to me with a problem I think and I, I can't verify this without asking her directly but I think I'm suggesting less solutions and asking more questions which is yep. from what I can tell what they generally require <laughs> um, is that conversation <laughs> rather than the actual solution so that seems to be working well but even even at work I'm finding it's changed my behaviour so so you've taken yeah. on board the fact that Socrates knows nothing and you've now gone I, I know nothing I'm just going to ask questions <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of I haven't gone that far, um, but I, I instead of going I know what's wrong here, I'll go. Yeah. I think it might be this, but I'm going to dig and find out what it is, and at least once a week at work, that's proven to be a smart decision where I haven't made a bad call. Um, whereas previously I would have made a bad call. Um, yeah. And I think as a parent, it's also meant that again I haven't sent the wrong child to their room <laughs> yeah, <laughs> without understanding exactly what happened first <laughs> yeah so i think they, you tend to get uh i think um the reason i think you get like that richer experience when you do that too is because you get um the person who's involved thinking about it and coming up with their own solutions as well and, and they're always going to buy into that solution a lot more if they feel that they've come up with it themselves or you know it's, it's been arrived at through a dis discussion rather than being told people never listen when they get told they only half listen yeah they don't do it, it makes sense um, yeah, i agree not, yeah so makes good sense tim it's good it seems to be working but it's not something that I've gone that's a tool I'm going to apply that tool it's more mm. it's actually changed the way I'm thinking and so now it's just a natural consequence so which is different that's to cool. other times when I've read leadership books and that sort of stuff where I go oh that's a strategy I can use this isn't our strategy it's just me <laughs> thinking differently so yeah it's definitely made some impacts um, yeah. alright here's our fifth and final pre-prepared question uh, who Before you do, recommend... just give me a quick break. Oh, okay. Well, I'll take that opportunity as well because I am thirsty. So let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back again. Uh, I've got water this time. <laughs> a bit of H2O to go. All right, so final question. Uh, who would you recommend uh, this book to? So I'll start with you, Ruben. Well, I don't understand the question. Are we, do you mean like, who would I recommend personally or like generally? You can infer whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you infer whatever um, I think everyone should read it. I think it should be in the high school curriculums. Uh, and um, yeah, that's it. And, uh, but the more at a more personal level, um, if, if that were not the case, which it's not going to be the case that everyone has to read it, I, I would recommend uh, that sort of young teenagers read it at the very least. And any, any 
I'm going to be recommending my boys read it. Um, I want to force them to read it because it's not very Socratic. But, um, oh, wait, or is it? Maybe it is Socratic. He was very big <laughs> on uh, education. Um, yeah. But uh, I know that's kind of a cop-out answer. Yeah, you should read it, everyone. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what I think. Nice. How about you, Lachlan? Yeah, look, uh, like Rubes, I'd be keen for my boys to read it at a reasonable age. It's it's funny. Uh, yeah, like, I kind of think everyone should read it, but I don't know. I think everyone should book club it. It's kind of you get so much more out of it in the way that we've <laughs> kind of gone through it. Uh, I know if I had just sat down and read this book, I probably wouldn't have pulled anywhere near as much meaning out of it uh, as what we have. But um, but yeah, look, I, I think there's a lot to be to garnered for anyone. You know, someone who's aspiring to be a politician, someone who um, I don't know, just isn't sure what to do with their life. Um, there's a reason for everybody to read it. Yeah, I think, I think psychologists should read it. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's it. Uh, well, I'm going to come straight out and say my wife should read it because she said she would read it and watch the show, <laughs> and she's only up to episode two, and she hasn't even finished uh. chapter one. So, <laughs> I reckon in about four years I'll get uh, in trouble for making that statement specifically because <laughs> that'll be how long it takes <laughs> if it happens. Well, so, if you get oh, to this point, if you get to this point, smelling all, it took you long enough. <laughs> and now Reuben will get a hit as well nice Lachlan's going to play it safe and duck and weave well played um, hey I think I'm with you there Lachlan the book I it never really occurred to me that this was a book club um, but it, it, really, it kind of yeah. is so um, yeah, what do you mean I, think... I told you in the first episode I know, but I was just... You did. I, was like, I thought you were joking. <laughs> um, I was like, no, it's a podcast. It's not a book club. But uh, we're podcasting a book club. So there you go. Um, yeah. the Everyone should read it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, when should they read it? I think high school, maybe. Um not until the teachers have read it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, it's cool. um, it's definitely good. So, yeah, I, I will recommend it to um, people I care about for sure. Hmm. Um, and and um, yeah, that tends to be a lot of people. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a wonderful piece of writing and um, has a lot of stuff in there that's very good to think through and very good to think about so yeah I think I, um, I give it uh, five stars it's, it's very nice <laughs> <laughs> I think what I do <clears throat> uh, when my boys are old enough to read it I'll probably read it with them I reckon and uh, that way we can kind of have that benefit of a compact book club as we go and a conversation yeah yeah here's yeah. a proposal here's a proposal do we get all of our kids to read it together in a book club at the same time with all of us? Interesting. I'm not not in a podcast. Just hmm. 
we set that up as dads alright kids this is what we're going to do this year once a week we're getting on with these other people via zoom and we're going to read this book mate I think that is a glorious idea that's amazing mm. logistically yeah, sure. do I think it will actually happen I don't know <laughs> but that, honestly, yeah, I'm totally on board I think that's a great idea well we can make soccer and youth group and gymnastics happen so why can't we make philosophical classes happen yeah. <laughs> it's not poetry for Pete's sake <laughs> that's right <laughs> I'm like you and learn we'll martial use... arts to protect yourself you learn martial arts to protect yourself physically you read this to protect yourself mentally that's yes. it that's it and we'll just use each other's kids to pressure the other kids into doing it so I'll be like hey Ruben's kids are reading this book don't you want to be cool as well <laughs> Lachlan's kids are awesome cool you should be reading this book they're reading uh, it parental peer pressure <laughs> yeah well um, for those of you listening if you would like to answer any of these questions I will put them up on the Facebook page um, probably one each day over the coming days once we produce this video and uh, see see what people think as well but um, I've really enjoyed it we will in the coming days hopefully once we make our minds up announce what book we're doing next and um, but yeah I think that is a wrap for Plato's The Republic 24 episodes later that would be roughly 24 hours later <laughs> mm. uh, we've got through it so well done us well done gentlemen Claps <laughs> all around for anyone that actually just wants to read it it won't take you 24 hours to read <laughs> it's true <laughs> well it might if you read it at bedtime you might not often then have to revisit it but yeah it's good so yeah thanks for listening everybody thank you for coming on this uh, little journey with us reading through this book uh, remember the republic wasn't built in a day and neither middle age and, uh, men and uh, we come to the end of I guess this season so thanks and we'll catch you guys for the next book take care and cue the music yeah bye 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 <laughs>